This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Joined by the intern, intern Nate. What's up? What's up? We're broadcasting one last time out of the hero of the working class and best looking member of DSA, Brandon Hinkey Studios. No, this is not our last show, just our last show in the studio of that name. We're changing the studio's name tomorrow is what I'm getting at. It's a shame that we still have to call it the uh, Brandon Hinkey Studios because I've got a little dog in here. I should say a big dog glaring at me. A very good big dog. Very good dog. Harper's in studio with us today, folks. Hey, Harper. Actually, uh, she she's hi. she's not really looking at you because her ass is kind of facing toward you at the moment. She's kind of just standing in the corner, head in the corner of the blanket fort right now. What are you doing, Harper? She's chilling. She's just chilling. She's sort of wondering what's going on. Harper might still be a little annoyed that I I doxed her weird sitting style in cars on the internet today. I, actually, I did that. Oh, you'd, you'd already done that before? So, yeah, I noted that she mm. sat on the floor of the car, which is weird. <laughs> Going to get to the newscast here in a second, but a quick thank you to all our new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month gets you access to bonus content. It also gets you your own haiku read on the air, which we're about to do right now. This one is for Alexander. Teachers underpaid. Arm them. Send them to Wall Street. Collect those wages. Thank you, Alexander. And uh, please do what the haiku says. (laughs) That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. Think about subscribing to help out our little news co-op and podcasting operation. It's Monday, April 30th, 2018. Here's the news. There's an all-out assault on the Iran nuclear deal. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu gave an address to his country Monday night, alleging that Iran ran a secret nuclear facility years ago. He cited tens of thousands of documents dubbed the Atomic Archives as proof. Now, a couple things here. Netanyahu isn't alleging that Iran is currently running a secret nuclear program, but that it did like a decade and a half ago, and thus denials from Iran that it ever ran a program were lies, and those lies are what the Iran nuclear deal is based on. That's the claim made Monday evening. This line from Netanyahu's speech sums it up perfectly, quote, after signing the nuclear deal in 2015, Iran intensified its efforts to hide its secret files. In 2017, Iran moved its nuclear weapons files to a highly secret location in Tehran. Files? Not nuclear material or bombs or missiles or anything, but files? Not even aluminum tube or yellow cake. We're talking about pieces of paper and digital bits? Files? Come on. Journalists who've been covering this issue have described Netanyahu's big revelations as actually nothing. The secret program was already known to the U.S., the International Atomic Energy Agency, and negotiators prior to the signing of the JCPOA, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the official name for the nuclear agreement. Times like these, it's also worth remembering 
what Netanyahu was doing during the run-up to the Iraq war, now that we're watching him talk in the run-up to the Iran war, here was Netanyahu addressing Congress before we started bombing Iraq. There is no question whatsoever that Saddam is seeking and is working and is advancing towards the development of nuclear weapons. No question whatsoever. <laughs> no question whatsoever. BB hitting the brown note there. There is also, of course, in 2012 when he went before the UN and held the cartoon bomb yes. as proof of Iran's nefarious nuclear activities. Uh, something that... Iranian Foreign Minister Javad Zarif mentioned in his uh, rebuttal of Netanyahu's speech on Monday evening. The timing of all this is curious. It comes days after Israel reportedly struck Iranian positions in Syria, killing 11 Iranian soldiers. Also comes about two weeks before Trump is set to either certify or drop out of the Iran agreement. French President Emmanuel Macron was in Washington last week urging Trump to stay in the deal, but also giving the president cover to get out of it by claiming that France is ready to negotiate a new deal. Macron later told reporters he believes Trump will indeed pull the U.S. out of the agreement for domestic reasons. Trump's constant threats to kill the deal and accusations against Tehran may have already caused irrevocable damage to the deal. In a call with Macron this week, Iranian President Hassan Rouhani said the U.S. had violated the terms of the deal and that Trump's constant rhetoric has caused, quote, fear and ambiguity for different countries and businesses for their relations with Iran. You know, seeing Netanyahu come out with this speech a couple weeks before Trump is set to make this deal makes me wonder whether uh, it's Trump who's orchestrating this stuff, the Trump administration getting Netanyahu to put this information that was already known out there as some big revelation to help Trump decertify the deal in a few weeks, or whether Netanyahu is doing this on his own to try and push Trump to that conclusion. Why not both? <laughs> it could be both, especially with John Bolton now as the national security advisor. Uh, the timing of this scares me most in the context of, uh, Bolt, of, of Bolton's ascension uh, to a top position in the White House. Uh, but that also, of course, doesn't bode well for the Iran deal, uh, which Trump was already trying to pull out of, which he, quite frankly, didn't fucking know how to because he doesn't seem like most Republicans to understand what a multilateral agreement actually is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, John Bolton, the, the path is clearing for him to do some really heinous shit yeah, normally I'd say Netanyahu was behind all this, but today's presentation was so shoddy, it can only be the work of the Trump administration. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even have to uh, to come up with a fucking cartoon bomb. They can just cart out whatever. Uh, yeah, he had a wall file, of file CDs. Yeah. He had a wall of CDs, a bookshelf of notebooks, and a giant screen that said Iran lied. <laughs> Let, uh, he's not compensating for anything, I I'm sure. He's busting out all the uh, mixtapes he made back in the... Uh, Last decade on on those CDRs on the blank CDs. That's that's the evidence. <laughs> uh, real quick, and I was ranting about this before we came into the studio to uh, to Sam and intern Nate. Uh, that take from last week that Macron is doing this masterful job of uh, getting Trump off of his position to kill the Iran nuclear deal. That I saw a lot of uh, serious Beltway journalists repeat. Not aging that well. Um, shows that Macron was just giving cover to Trump to get out of the deal, and Trump is definitely making moves along with his allies in Israel to 
kill the deal yeah, in a few weeks. Li- lib delusional fantasy. I mean, Harper has more object permanence than these people. More Pruitt porn. And believe it or not, this may be one of the scummier things he has done so far. The EPA head has granted a waiver from renewable fuel requirements to an oil refinery owned by Carl Icahn, the billionaire investor and early Trump supporter and a one-time White House advisor. I remember during the campaign when Trump every week talked about how he's going to name Carl Icahn as his treasury secretary. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> The Obama-era rules force petroleum refineries to either purchase biofuels or biofuel credits in an effort to reduce energy emissions. Pruitt granted the waiver to Icon CVR Energy in the last few months, and that's according to a report today in Reuters citing two unnamed industry sources. Last week, Pruitt was asked about this when testifying before a House Energy and Commerce subcommittee. Here he is under questioning from Maryland Democrat John Sarbanes. Administrator Pruitt, you met with representatives from Carl Icahn's company, CVR Energy, in June of 2017. Is that correct? If that's what the calendar represents. Um, Did Carl Icahn's company apply for a waiver from ethanol blending requirements for any of its refining facilities? I'm unsure. Okay. We'll, we'll, We'll look at the record for that. And did Carl Icahn's company receive a waiver for any of its refining facilities? These exemptions are governed by statute, as you know. So he's not sure if they ask for it, uh, dodges the question. But if he does, we, those are governed by statute. Yeah, again, Pruitt dodging any responsibility like last week when he said uh, it was career officials who approved the $43,000 jack-off booth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the exemptions are normally granted to small refineries that can demonstrate financial hardship. CVR just reported a first quarter profit of $23 million. Jeez, how are they making it? It also revised down its estimated renewable fuel standard compliance costs by $120 million. Mm. (laughs) Hardships indeed. I mentioned that Icon is a former White House advisor. In August 2017, he was forced to resign that role after lawmakers raised concerns about conflicts of interest. In December 2017, Icon's firm disclosed that Icon himself was under investigation by the Justice Department for activity related to the renewable fuel standard while serving as a White House advisor. Can I add Carl Icon to the list of shady rich people who are going to get taken down by the sheer fact of Trump running for office? Not He might not get taken down, but people who are in legal trouble based on the fact that Trump decided to run for office. Over the weekend, BuzzFeed reported on some changes that the Department of Justice is quietly making to its own U.S. Attorney's Manual, basically the guidebook for U.S. attorneys around the country and at Maine Justice. Now, there are two big changes, or should I say omissions, in the new manual. BuzzFeed compared earlier versions of the manual with the newest versions and found that an entire passage about press freedoms was removed. That passage, which had been part of the manual since the 1980s, read, quote, careful weight must be given in each case to the constitutional requirements of a free press and public trials, as well as the right of the people in a constitutional democracy to have access to information about the conduct of law enforcement officers, prosecutors and courts consistent with the individual rights of the accused. Yeah, that whole passage is gone now. 
I know it's officially gone now, but it was for all intents and purposes ripped out under the Obama administration. True. Another missing passage involved racial gerrymandering. That read, quote, the voting section defends from unjustified attack, redistricting plans designed to provide minority voters fair opportunities to elect candidates of their choice and endeavors to achieve racially fair results. That that whole passage. Yeah, that's gone, too. Now, the changes were reportedly prompted by Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Resistance hero Rod Rosenstein? Yes, that this is, Rod Rosenstein? Yes, that Rod Rosenstein. This all reminds me of how Ben Carson removed from Housing and Urban Development's mission statement a commitment to civil rights and equal access to housing. Shows how big changes can be made to public policy with just a few pen strokes by department heads. T-Mobile and Sprint are reviving an effort to merge. The two cell phone providers announced this weekend that they're hoping to combine under the T-Mobile brand name. Talk about this takeover first emerged in 2014. It was put on ice when roadblocks were put up by regulators under the Obama administration. And now with Ajit Pai at the FCC, well, why the hell wouldn't they give it a second shot? Unfortunately for the companies, uh, the Justice Department also has its say. And uh, I say unfortunately because Ajit Pai, obviously, if he could on his own, he would probably approve any merger that comes before him. Probably. Yeah. AT&T, Verizon, fuck it. You're now one company. Google, Yahoo, you're you're one company now too. Well, Yahoo's not that big anymore. One company. The, they should all be all. one. Yeah, they should all just be one company owned and in the darkness by, by the them. government. <laughs> That's not how Ajit Pai sees it, unfortunately. Right now, T-Mobile and Sprint are the third and fourth largest cell phone providers in the country, worth $55 billion and $26 billion, respectively. The new company would have almost 100 million customers, according to the New York Times. That's what, like a third of the country? About? I don't know. Anyway, I'm a T-Mobile subscriber, and I can't see my next phone bill, or my future phone bills, rather, going anywhere but straight the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yours too, probably, with a lower competition and a true and, and a, a three company oligopoly. True. All right. On that, we will end the newscast. But before we end the podcast, we're going to listen to a few calls. Hey guys, it's Sarah. I'm fifty percent less drunk, but one hundred percent still on my bullshit, and extremely still fans number one fan. So I was going to call in for the 420 show, but, you know, it's a little off-brand for me. Anyhow, I'll call to talk about a few essential and extremely important things. Um, first of all, I'm going to talk about maybe a Kanye stand, but his analysis is extremely correct. And if you're confused about any of that, just refer to his mid-Kanye unraveling Twitter timeline for references. Second of all, Bernie is definitely right, and we should all listen to Cardi. It's gonna be an FCC violation. How long is this audio? We should probably uh, cut that off before we get sued, but uh, thanks for the call. Internate, stop Sarah. twerking. Thank you, Sarah, for the call. Hey, Sam, and also, hi, Sam, and hi, Internate, but we'll get to you later. 
So, hey guys, I'm watching this Washington Capitals game, and I gotta say, the theory that Barbara Bush is hilariously rotten corpse is, uh, plaguing teams that are playing the Caps, it seems like it's working. You know, uh, Brandon Holtby's making the big save so far, and Matt Murphy letting a goal, and I think it was Yevgeny cutting it off. He scored a goal for the cap. It's looking really good. And that brings me to other sports things, because I believe tonight is also the NFL draft. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the Eagles are picking after the Patriots. And I was wondering if Internet could maybe tell me why that would be the case. It seems so odd. I mean, everyone talks about Touchdown Tom being the best. But if he were the best, the, the Patriots would be picking last, wouldn't they? That seems weird. Internet, can you clear that up for me? Anyway, thanks a lot, guys. You keep doing great work. I love you guys. Bye. Thank you. Uh, Internate, care to respond? Yeah, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. They also had a shitty draft. Um, they had a chance to get Lamar Jackson, and they didn't get him. Um, sometimes Bill does weird shit, and then they traded away the rest of their picks, basically. So, hmm, yeah. I wonder why they didn't pick Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Why? why? Uh, the Patriots are racist. <laughs> So is Bob Kraft. All right, one last Bob, caller. Bob Kraft is a Meek Mill supporter, so he okay. is on the right side of a few things. All right. Woke well, billionaire Bob Kraft, right? One last call here. I got to say, anything to normalize the work of Larry Krasner, because, come on, that, that you know, publicize the work of, uh, of, of, of the good man Larry, Larry K. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, Internate. This is Matt from Richmond, and I've got a scoop on Nate's $43,000 Tom Brady statue. Did you know that its favorite soda is Sunkiss? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had forgotten about that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Sponsors of the show include the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Other sponsors include levelnews.org and Citizen Capital. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Tune in by searching for District Sentinel Radio. Give us a review. Give us a rating. Tell your friends to listen. The newscast returns Wednesday. We're taking May Day off in solidarity with the rest of the world's workers. Though we will have a bit of bonus content. That's true. That's true. We do have some bonus content for our subscribers coming out. Are we going to do that for subscribers or everybody? Eh, well, we'll We'll figure it out. Probably everybody, but we'll see how we feel. It's good good reason to subscribe to Patreon, though, in case we do release it just to our subscribers. Yeah, subscribe anyway. What the fuck is wrong with you? Uh, Though it is May Day tomorrow, so intern Nate will uh, be doing less work than normal if you thought that was possible. Am I right, folks? I'm reclaiming my leisure time. We'll stay here in D.C. so you don't have to be.